Welcome to the Inquisitive Tourist. My name is Nate Ralph and thank you for joining me. For those of you already listening, welcome back. And if you've just started, welcome to an ever-growing community of listeners. We're now in 44 countries and counting. The pandemic has really been a catalyst for many new brands and businesses. I'm sure some of you listening today, wherever you are in the world, maybe in your own cities, you've seen people that you know or people down the road starting new businesses. And it is something that seems to to becoming somewhat of a trend. Well, today I want to speak to a trained makeup artist who has worked in many countries. And I want to speak to her about her career development, her love of travel, and how it's led to her creating her new brand, Balayon, travel-friendly products, sustainable and healthy for the earth. Her name is Ray Dawn. Ray Dawn, welcome to the show. Wow, thanks, Nate. Thanks for the introduction. I'm really excited to be on the show today, and I'm excited for the opportunity to talk with you and um, uh, talk with your listeners and have them listen and learn about myself and Balian. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. So to kick us off, where are you based? Well, I'm based in Long Island, New York, specifically, um, the tri-state area of New York. I work in Manhattan, and technically, I also work all over, um, not just New York, but my home base is New York and Manhattan. So yeah, that's where I'm based. That's pretty cool. And how long has that been going on uh, for? Like, how long have you been based there? It's been quite a few years now. Um, well, I live in Long Island. I've been in Long Island, which is the um, outskirts of the city, right outside of like Queens and Brooklyn. Uh-huh. And I've been here for six years. Um, I've grown up in New York, but I've also lived in other places like North Carolina and the South. Um, and yeah, I mean, I've been in New York now since I moved back from North Carolina around the age of 19 and I'm now 39. I'm not ashamed to tell my age, so that's fine. (laughs) (laughs) That's still young. That's still very, very young. I'm a whippersnapper. (laughs) (laughs) But how does that, I mean... (laughs) NC, North Carolina and New York, I mean, working in Manhattan, that's quite a contrast, isn't it? Which do you prefer? Because it's a very different lifestyle between those two places. Well, um, I I didn't work for too long in North Carolina. I was a teenager when I worked in North Carolina, but I came back to New York. Um, and now as a working makeup artist, um, I work in Manhattan. And as I said, I reside and live in Long Island. But Long Island is the suburbs, so it's slower pace. It's, you know, a little bit calmer, um, more open, grassy, um, more breathing room than New York City. Um, but Long Island is, as far as work goes for makeup artists, it's more bridal based. Right. Um, if you're a makeup artist who is looking for work in Long Island and specifically wanting to stay on the island, then more times than not, you're either going to work in a salon, which I don't know how great that is now with COVID or you would be a bridal makeup artist, which means you're still going to be traveling and, you know, moving about on the Island. So, yeah. That's interesting. So in terms of what you do, your best way of describing what you do best, would you say a lot of it is, is bridal work or? No, um, I do fabulous makeup for television and film and I do, some bridal. Um, I have done actually a lot of bridal, but I prefer to stick with television and film specifically. Um, more so news is my realm of where I've been working the longest, Mm. Uh, but I have worked on some TV shows. I worked on the last season of orange is the new black. That was super fun because I, yeah, I got to dabble in some special effects, which is something that I didn't realize I had a passion for until I had to perfect certain things. And I was in my basement and I was just, you know, cooking away and making things and and creating prosthetics and creating cuts and bruises and making it from scratch. And it was just really exciting. So working on Orange is the New Black really stretched my creative mind um, and helped me think outside the box. And then from there, I worked on Wonder Woman 2. I also worked on In the Heights. Uh, what else have I worked on? I worked on. I've worked on other shows here and there, and other films. Clifford the Big, Big Red Dog is supposed to be coming out, like the real live action movie. Mm-hmm. But again, the pandemic has pushed so many things back, so I'm not sure when that's coming out. 
Wow. But yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. Very, very Sorry. sort of no, very <laughs> varied uh, stuff. You, you were saying on the set of is it Orange is the New Black? They they you were you were making? Did you say prosthetics? Well, so I would make the prosthetics at home because when you're at the show and you're there to work, your time to prep the actors and get them ready for their scene is super limited um, and you don't have a lot of time. So therefore, you would have to definitely work on those um, pieces that you have to like put onto the skin and make it look like it's a cut. You would have to work on those beforehand. But, um, hey, or mm-hmm. you can, mm-hmm. no, you can buy them pre-made as well. Because what I was going to ask, sorry to interrupt you there, it was, had you ever had previous experience in prosthetics or were you just sort of thrown into the deep end there? Well, so how makeup kind of, so the world of makeup, there's no real um, handbook on how, to go about being a makeup artist. There's no, Mm. there is a school, it's called Makeup Designery, it's in New York. There's also a school in LA, um, but these schools have only recently come about for makeup. Right. There's also now, um, there is an online course that's really great. Um, Stanley, I can't think of the last name, but Stanley, um, oh my goodness, I can't think of the name, but he has a great online course that you can take and you pay like a yearly fee. And so that's what I ended up doing some years ago. I ended up paying for this online course and it's just random classes from all the masters that are in the industry from various Mm. ends of things. People that like lay hair, which means they lay beards on actors or even lay beards on um, the fake prosthetic people that they have to make like for scenes let's say for example if someone is thrown off a building Mm -hmm. that's not a real person being thrown off the building right there's like a stunt (laughs) right (laughs) right there's like a stunt double who will go but so far for the actor but Uh then they're using this body that they created out of a certain material and then that body has to then be made to look like the actor so they have to put hair on this on this um, dummy or whatever you want to call it. I shouldn't say dummy. You have to put hair on this like fake prosthetic face. And so there's hand laying um, in this online course. There's also how to make a prosthetic from the beginning to the end, how to paint the prosthetic, how to apply the prosthetic. Um, There's airbrushing classes. There are just so many like classes that are on this actual online course and it's super cool. And as I was mentioning before, there's also another school, MUD, M-U-D, um, Makeup Designery. They they are an in, in, um, in-person class. I don't know as far as COVID what they're doing now, but pre-COVID, you would take like a year long class with them and you can, you can kind of uh, choose your course, whether it's more of prosthetics and um, special effects, or if you just want to learn fashion and beauty, or if you wanted to take all of it together, you could. And it's just like a little bit of a uh, a, a longer time period where you're in the school. Um, but that was just a long-winded version for me to say that I was not necessarily trained um, per se for a certain amount of time to learn prosthetics. I learned and taught myself by way of these videos that I paid for. So I did learn from professionals, but on my own time and on my own dime. (laughs) That's very, very cool. So, I mean, would you say it's fair to say that your career started in a, can I, can I use the word unorthodox way? I mean, did you take an unorthodox route into your career? Is there even a set handbook for this? I would say so. I would say It all started with my mom. My mom was always heavily into beauty. My mother was um, a cosmetologist. Mm. That's another area where people who are into the beauty world tend to go to learn hair and makeup. Although um, those schools, cosmetology schools are more catered to doing hair. Mm. But my mom went to cosmetology school. She would bring home all of these different cool hair tools and tell us to just practice and play with it. And so all throughout high school, that's what I did. And I would always do everyone's makeup for different events for school. And it just kind of led to my love of, of really all things in the beauty world and how it made women feel when you would do their hair or do their makeup. And so from there, um, 
I was in North Carolina. I left and I came back to New York and I wanted to pursue an acting career. And I pursued that for a little bit. That wasn't really going the way that I wanted it to go. And so that's when I started to dabble in makeup because I ended up modeling some kind of way in some random fashion show in New York City. Nothing like super exclusive or anything. It was like some low budget fashion show for some small designer that was like on the come up. And I was asked to also do everyone's makeup. And so from there, I realized, wait, I can get paid to do makeup um, while I'm probably trying to audition and do acting. Mm. And that kind of just led to, oh, well, you're the makeup artist. And so instead of fighting it, I just joined it and said, <laughs> okay, I'm the makeup artist. <laughs> and it just, yeah. yeah, and I just followed that route. And it's all in hustling. Um, that's that's the handbook for being a makeup artist is your hustle and your right, grind. Right. And <laughs> depending on what type of makeup artist you want to be, if you want to be in the film and TV world, um, you know, there are different routes you can take Uh but there are so many types of makeup artists you know like i was mentioning earlier there's being a bridal makeup artist you can be a makeup artist in in news you can be a makeup artist in tv and film you can be a special effects makeup artist and honestly they all have their own areas and their own skill sets that are required yet at the same time a lot of the skills are the same that you need to carry from one to the other but, you know, each pays differently. Some of them offer the um, a union. There's a hair and makeup union. Some of those types of jobs as a makeup artist offer unions. Others don't. So it just depends on what your lifestyle is and what you want as a makeup artist. And honestly, I just kind of threw caution to the wind and I just went where the jobs took me. And from there, it just led me from one thing to another thing to another thing. And now here I am. Yeah. I am. In news, I do right now at the moment, I specifically do makeup for CBS um, here in New York City. That's Channel 2 and yeah, CBS channel, News. It? Yeah, yeah, it's it's super big. And I work for the national news that is across all, all of the states here. And I do makeup. I'm the sole makeup artist for Gail King. Um, she is the main news anchor for the morning news here in New York. How does that work day to day? Like, do you have to get up really early to do a makeup, like five in the morning or something? How does that even work? Yes. <laughs> so everyone's show and everyone's time is different. Um, mine is not as bad as some. I used to work at Fox Local News and local news was super torturous where you would have to be there. I think I had to be there at 3 a.m. Oh, so I would me. always... Yeah, I would always say this is literally like it should be illegal to have to get up this early (laughs) because (laughs) you're going to bed when everyone is still out playing and it's light outside and you have to force yourself to wind down and go to bed. So what what time are you sleeping? What, 8 p.m., 7 p.m.? Well, well, okay, so my schedule now, I have to be at work at 4.30, 4.45 in the morning. So I typically, I, I... I tell myself I need to be in bed by eight. Um, I try to be asleep by eight. If I'm not, you know, in the bed before then, okay, I'll say eight 30. And then sometimes I end up falling asleep around nine because it just stinks because I go through my whole day and I have so many things to do. And then you look up and it's seven o'clock and I'm like, Oh, I still haven't eaten dinner. I need to get in the bed and be up in like six hours. It's almost so, so. It's, it's a lifestyle, isn't it? It's it's it even affects in your case, if you want to work, say, for the for the news, for the morning news, which is, you know, starts very early to get to a job, you know, at, did you say 445 in the morning? Yeah, it means that the, even the uh, evening yeah. before is almost like you're at work because you have to plan ahead. It's not even, uh, you know, depending on the gig, um, it can actually Being a makeup artist is, it, de- it definitely affects your lifestyle. I would say, any form of being a makeup artist, especially in the film and TV world, um, you, so for instance, I, I'm at work at 4.30 in the morning. Mm. I get there. It depends on the day. Today was an early day where I was able to leave work around 11.30 a.m. And I, my commute, unfortunately, is about an hour and a half home. Yeah, that's So then, 
Exactly. So then I'm, then it's like, okay, I need to eat lunch. Okay. I still need to work out. I also, I um, have started my own business. So then I have to do things for that. And then it's, okay, I have to do some laundry. You know, it's just all the, but, but by the time you do all of that, it's now seven o'clock. And yeah, so, <laughs> <laughs> and then for bridal makeup, you know, bridal makeup artists, they have to always prep their kit, you know, beforehand, depending on what the bride needs. If they're doing a whole bridal party, you have to pack the entire kit. You have to pack your chair. You have to pack your lights. Whereas for us, TV and film makeup artists, Typically, we only need to bring like our makeup kit unless you're just always in that same location. Then you leave it there. So you're not having to always lug everything. But bridal, you're always having to lug everything to every job every time. Yeah. So in that sense, it's a little bit easier. But with, you know, this is it CBS, isn't it, that you work for? You said, is it Gail King? If I remember that correctly? Yes. So, mm-hmm. how you know, like yes. everyone here who's listening can picture, you know, a news anchor sitting there in their chair reading the news. I'm ass- assuming... <laughs> that and please tell me i'm correct but surely you don't do the makeup right there in that room right i mean is there like a side room what happens like where do you actually do their makeup or are you literally there in the studio where we see them deliver their news items literally like doing the makeup to them on their own chair like what could you speak us through that now come on now we could never you can never do makeup a full face someone being bare face and doing a full face of makeup on set no 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 so where does a woman can never give away her secret (laughs) we have a separate (laughs) we have a separate hair and makeup room um gail king she has two co-hosts she has two male co-hosts so they have their their makeup room where they get their hair and makeup done and then gail has her hair and makeup room where she gets her hair and makeup done um and it's always a mad dash no matter where you work in makeup whatever field whatever area you're in Mm -hmm. it's always hurry up hurry up hurry up so I literally have about 35 minutes to get Gail ready as far as makeup. However, I'm working in tandem with the hairstylist. So it's a lot because you're, you know, the hairstylist has to do her thing and she's tugging and pulling on the hair, but then I need a steady hand because I need to do eyeliner. I need to not poke her in the face. So, you know, it's just, you're having (laughs) to work as a team. (laughs) Have you ever done that where like you've poked her in the face and then like 35 minutes later, her eyes still like all red and watery. And it's like, you need to be on air now. (laughs) Well, thank God it's never been that bad. I have poked her with the eyeliner, but for the most part, I've been pretty safe with that. Thank goodness. So, and she doesn't like tweezers close to her face just for that very reason. I bet. Not that I've done anything to her, but I, she had a past experience that oh, traumatized her. Word. So. But here's, here's a question. Whose makeup takes longer, sure. Gail King or the two dudes in the side room? Like, does it take longer <laughs> to do the, the dude's makeup? Because if that's the case, that's a little bit scary. Please tell me that they're out in five minutes. Well, <laughs> I don't know that they're out in five minutes, but the nice thing about the two men that are her um, co-hosts her co-anchors, they are definitely just very minimal, chill guys. They don't like a lot. Just give them a little anti-shine, give them some chapstick, you know, fluff up their hair a little bit, add some oils and some berries and some hairspray, whatever else they need, and they're good to go. Yeah. So, you know, of course a woman takes a little bit longer because it's just more intricate and detail-oriented, and that's just the way it goes. No, that's really cool. You've, you've painted a nice <laughs> picture. For, uh, for us there. I've always wondered how it worked and uh, that's really really interesting now you mentioned as well you know bridal and it could be any other gig so what for you personally you know you've got this really wide-ranging career so far which countries um, have you done events in well I've been blessed enough to be able to work in South Africa which was really cool I pretty much created that opportunity for myself because I knew I would be out there for about a month and a half. And I said, I cannot be in South Africa and not possibly find beautiful models to like shoot. So I contacted some modeling agencies. I contacted some photographers and I was able to make some like beautiful things happen with that. Not just myself, but it was a team effort, but, um, some amazing shots came from that with two different models from there. I've been blessed enough to be able to do a wedding in Paris. It was my first time in Paris. And I had always said, Oh, I'll never go to Paris. It's so cliche. Everyone just talks about, Oh, it's just for lovers and blah, blah, blah. But I went for this wedding and I was immediately a Paris lover. And I said, I have to move to Paris. So Mm. 
<laughs> I was so glad that I was able to um, travel there and be there for that moment. And I just love, I've also been to Italy. Um, I love going to these different countries and different places and checking out like their beauty stores and where they buy makeup because everyone's style of makeup is different. You find different products. And I'm such a big collector of skincare and makeup products. And I bring a lot of things back and then I end up like giving it out to friends and I'm like forever the favorite because now I've given them, you know, skincare from France. I've given them skincare from Korea. Um, North, um, from when I went to Asia 2019, I was able, I didn't leave the airport, but I was able to go to Korea and get some amazing skincare products from there. So that was like the best because they're like known for their skincare. So I was able to bring a lot of things back from that. Um, yeah. And I would just say, you know, aside from meeting amazing people and, you know, eating great food and seeing the culture of others outside of myself, um, that's always a great experience, but just, I do enjoy, um, seeing the way other artists work in other countries, seeing how other photographers work, makeup artists. Um, and like I said, just the tools and the supplies that you get from different places are just, it just, you appreciate and you realize that it's just, there's a world bigger than just where you are from and where you buy things. It's, it's a much bigger world out there. And there are so many beautiful things in so many different areas. So so have you found I just appreciate it all. Have you ever found tools or um certain makeup items like you said in Korea uh that you really love you bring back you give them to your friends you might use it you know for yourself and then obviously inevitably they run out and you want to get them again mm. but you can't source them where you are in New York. And if so what how, like, how how can you are there ways of getting those products back or you have to go there to get them? It's it's, it's kind of tough because like I found actually when I was in Japan, I found this amazing liquid black eyeliner and I went on Instagram to see if I could find them. And as of now, they're only based in Japan. And I was like, talk on it. Like with this pandemic, when will I ever get back to Japan? <laughs> so <laughs> it's a long shot, you know, you're yeah. just out of, out of luck on that. Um, but you know, you just, Hold on to the packaging and hope and pray that one day you can get it again. <laughs> yeah, no, that's cool. No, but your your um in your explanation there, your I feel like your love of traveling is evident. Uh, so what I'd like to ask is, is that linked to your work, or would you say that your your love for travel has just been for the love of travel itself, even you know, forever, even nothing to do with makeup? I would just say my love of travel is just to meet new people, to have new experiences, um, whatever that might be. If that means that, you know, I, of course I love, I'm a woman. I love to shop. Um, and not that every woman loves to shop. I don't want to stereotype, but uh, well, I do. I think it's true in 93% of, uh, of cases or maybe not, maybe 99, who knows? Definitely in the nineties. Well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. So I'm one of them. And, um, you know, just, I love the experience of new food. Um, just, it, it, it gives me life. Um, being in another country, traveling, whether it's uncomfortable. And I also appreciate being uncomfortable. For example, I went to the Philippines and the Philippines is very much a third world country. And sometimes you'll go to these third world countries like a South Africa, but there are still amenities to us Westerners and those of us who are used to maybe the finer things in life where you can still make it where it's a be- this like luxury experience, let's say. But in certain areas of the Philippines, you, you can get this luxury experience, but in order to get there, like for example, we had to get to this small, small island um, that was secluded off of another main island from the Philippines. Um, we had to take this boat and their boats are not these like, you know, beautiful modern ferries or like a beautiful speed boat. It's literally like, it looks like the wood is old. It's like kind of falling apart. It's not, <laughs> it's not this like, yeah, okay. Yes. Rustic. But I appreciated it. It, it was, it was fun. 
And maybe I can say that because I'm younger in age and I could say it's fun, but you know, it's an experience. It's something that, you know, is what I like when I go to these other countries. I don't want it to be the same thing day in and day out that I get on a regular basis at home. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I I just love to travel just because of the new experiences, meeting new people, Mm, just mm. coming home with a new perspective and outlook on life. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. What I really loved about, you know, particularly what you said there is, is the phrase I, when you said, I appreciate being uncomfortable. I think that's what you said. I really, really like that. That's, that's, uh, I'm going to remember that one. Um, you know, going out of our (laughs) comfort zone is, is, it's a cliche. It's such a cliche, but it's true. That's the only time we grow, you know, at the gym, Exactly. (laughs) when we, when we go places, (laughs) when we meet new people, like anything in life that's worth achieving, we have to put ourselves out of our comfort zone. And that's when the body uh, or the mind reacts and grows. Um, and yeah, I love that. So like, let's, let's talk about, you know, the pandemic now, cause it's unavoidable, but like, how, how would you say your travel routine has, and maybe even your, your work has been affected sort of pre pandemic and, and post? Um, I would say I'm not traveling as much cross country, let's say to LA, uh, things have opened up you know, tremendously since the beginning of the pandemic last year. However, as far as travel goes, um, definitely the travel has become almost non-existent to a degree. Um, It's kind of sad. As far as how I myself work within the pandemic and the way that I travel and how I pack things and how I move as a makeup artist, that has not changed because I have always been and will continue to be a germaphobe. Um, I also keep top of mind how my client that's sitting in my chair would feel because if that were me, what would I want done? What would I want my makeup artist to, um, you know, use on my skin and use on my face? Would I want them to be, you know, extra, extra, you know, uh, cautious about what they're using how they're cleaning their tools. So I've always been someone that during cold and flu season, when I'm doing makeup, I've always worn a mask. That has not been something that just went into effect. Yeah. That has not gone into effect just because of the pandemic. My friends and colleagues would always kind of poke fun at me and say, Oh boy, there goes the mask again. (laughs) But Hey, (laughs) for me, it's yeah. I mean, it's been a known fact that like, the mask keeps germs at bay because you're not, you know, you don't have the exchange of fluids. So it's, it's simple to me, just wear a mask and I won't have to worry if you have a cold and you won't have to worry if I have a cold. So it works that way. And that was, you know, pre pandemic, but yeah, other than that, just work has slowed down going to other places. Um, However, I am traveling. I'm going to LA next week because Gail will be interviewing someone who is pretty well known in LA. So I'm looking forward to that because I haven't been to LA, I think since the pandemic. Oh, wow. First time. (laughs) Well, so when you say she's traveling to interview someone, does that mean that, so obviously she's not going to be in the studio. So you're going to travel with her? Correct. Most of the time, if, yeah. So most of the time, because I'm Gail King's personal makeup artist, if, even if it's outside of, her daily routine of being on the news in the morning, she has interviews outside of just that where, you know, these segments, these interviews, they end up airing days or weeks later on um, the news. So we tape them in advance. And typically I myself and her hairstylist and her assistant will travel with her wherever she goes. So, but that, that, and actually that is one thing that did change. I was able to be on a private jet a few times this year because of COVID and, um, CBS giving that to us so that we can be safe. So that was pretty cool. Yeah, that's very, very cool. But like how much, this is a burning question I've got, how much autonomy has Gail King got and have you got in terms of, you know, there you are, you're flying, you get to LA and she looks at you and she's like, Hey, Ray Dawn. Cause I guess you've become quite friendly as well. Right. And you've built up a rapport right. over time and she could just look at you in the eye and say, Hey, 
like could you just funk up my style today like like change my hair like do like do some crazy stuff to me like or would cbs you know do they have the ultimate say and they're like hey you can only do x y and z on her face what what's the guidelines no gail gail are is my guideline right <laughs> so she can literally she say me- give me pink eyelashes and you could do it or not Right. But as Gail would say, and she says this all the time to people, she's like, I'm a square. So I know that she would not want pink eyelashes. So that is something that myself nor CBS need to worry about or fear that she'll be requesting pink eyelashes. She won't be requesting that anytime soon. They obviously trust (laughs) her to to not ask for such a thing. Right. No. I mean, and, and it also is like as a makeup artist, you have to also know what the occasion is. Um, so, for example, when I say occasion, she's going to interview this particular person, and let's say it's a more somber topic. Well, you're not going to give your anchor or the person that's interviewing, you're not going to give them bright red lips or magenta pink lips. Like it needs to work in accordance with what the topic of discussion is, you know? Um, and so, yeah, basically, she kind of gives me free reign for the most part on how I approach her makeup for whatever the occasion is. Even every day I switch it up a little bit. Mm. You know, she does have her, her preference. She prefers a certain color lip or um, maybe she doesn't love shimmer on the eyelids. So sometimes, you know, I'll try to throw in a little shimmer here or there and I just tone it down and she'll accept that. But for the most part, Gail is pretty open to, whatever I do on her face. And she said that she likes my versatility. So that's cool. I appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. But basically whatever Gail says, that's what goes. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's very, very um, enlightening. It's it's interesting. I found, I found that um, because I've, I've, I just would never have known to be honest. I I would have just guessed that CBS or any news channel have got strict rules, but obviously, obviously not. So yeah, thanks for that. Now with the pandemic, it's, it's given you time to think as well. And, it's, am I right in saying that you've combined, or that at least this is the way I feel, you know, what you've done, you've combined your love of travel and your profession into a new brand. So could you tell us about it? Of course. Uh, well, um, like most of us, we were all affected by the pandemic and a lot of us had to pivot um, because some of us were out of work and we needed to think of new ways to have income coming in. Um, I myself am not one to like Netflix and chill. I'm not like the biggest couch potato. I just don't know how to sit still. Like I get very antsy. Mm. Um, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. I think (laughs) it's a good thing. I think I (laughs) keeps me, keeps me active and constantly, my mind is constantly going. Mm. Um, but even pre pandemic, I actually back in 2009, just to take you back a little bit and rewind in 2009, I had a company that I had originally started and I had a name for it and everything was called Glamic Beauty. I actually, at the time I would go into women's shelters and um, um, like not hostel houses, but homes where they would house a lot of women where the alternative instead of jail would be to be in these homes and like work and find jobs. So what I would do is Glamic Beauty and my, myself, the company, we would come and do these workshops to help these women understand how they should dress and how they should do their hair and how they should do their makeup for future job interviews. So I started doing that. And then eventually in 2012, I wanted to take it in a different direction, but I was still doing that. And I just didn't know what direction to take it in because I was still an up and coming makeup artist. And I was trying to make money to pay my bills. So to think about the side business that I had created just wasn't a priority. So I kind of had to let that fall by the wayside. Um, So now bringing you, fast forwarding you to 2019, the end of 2019, I had this fabulous idea for a product that I wanted to patent and create. I spoke to a lawyer and he basically told me, that's not going to work. You know, you, you can't do that. And I allowed his voice to play in my head and to keep me from executing what I thought was a fabulous idea. Hmm. until the pandemic hit. When the pandemic hit and I wasn't working for a few weeks to begin with, I was like, well, you know what? I'm going to revisit what I originally wanted to do. Hmm. And 
I called around, I found a lawyer. I ended up having to do a ton of research and figuring out how do you iterate an idea? How do you take an idea and make it into an actual um, product where it can be um, used and then patented? So it was just a whole process. So I ended up doing that, but then I got stopped in my tracks because I realized, wait, hold up a second. COVID is not going anywhere. And this product that I just created and spent $1,900 on patenting <laughs> um, or a patent pending rather, because it wasn't fully patented. It's just a patent pending that I paid for. Mm. I just put, put all this money into this entire process. I have this product that could be something great, but in actuality, because of mask wearing on a day-to-day basis, it's not useful. So. I made this in hopes that, okay, this pandemic, which most of us, I'm sure we thought, oh, it's just going to last a few weeks or a few months and it will be a thing of the past. But no, here we are almost two years later, still in it. Um, So I ended up pivoting again. And as a makeup artist, skincare is the foundation for great makeup. Mm. So I decided I'm going to start with that. And that is where my company Balian was born. It was born last summer um, when I decided to create this skincare product. And the one skincare product that I love that I wanted to give to the world and present to the world was Shea Butter 2.0. And that product is actually called Do Revive. So Balian has now launched Do Revive. And Do Revive is Shea Butter 2.0 because not only does it have shea butter in it, which is an amazing product within itself, but it also has rosehip oil, pomegranate oil. Um, it has camellia seed oil and all these amazing oils. And it's dermatologist tested. It will not break you out. It actually smooths your skin and creates this like this beautiful cloud. I don't even know how to, it, it just wraps your skin in this, yummy goodness and it's just healing and soothing to the skin and it's great especially if you have skin irritation eczema dermatitis it's great for all those things and what's great about this product and another reason why i created it is because i'm constantly on the go because i'm constantly traveling i thought about the woman and the man that is just like me even though we're in covid i knew things would eventually hopefully pick back up and we'd be moving and shucking and jiving. (laughs) And I wanted a product that can go wherever you go. You can have it in your bag. You can have one in your car. You can have wherever you are, you always have a do revive stick. And it's in this great solid stick that is in sustainable packaging. And I, and that's another thing. I didn't want to just create another skincare brand, right? Because there are so many skincare brands. You walk into Sephora, you walk into Ulta. I'm not sure of all the other places in the UK where you can shop for skincare, but like those are some of the top ones in the U S and you just get women and men get bombarded by all of these companies. And you're just like, well, what do I choose? And so I said, okay, well, how can I just distinguish Balian and how can we be slightly different from the rest? Um, aside from already being a shea butter stick, Mm. which not many people do. And aside from being a luxurious sustainable shea butter stick. I wanted it to be in packaging that um, wasn't going to just add a ton more waste to the world. And now I am a small brand, so I can only have a small footprint in helping, you know, lessening our carbon footprint. But the packaging is basically made from recycled cardboard. um, And there's just about, it's 50% less plastic than the competitors because of the stick being poured, it has to be poured into the actual stick as a liquid, and then it dries down to a solid. So because it has to be poured as a liquid, which means it's hot, it does have to have some form of plastic. So that's why there is a little bit of plastic on this product, um, or on the packaging, I should say. But other than that, that is basically Balian. It's, it's sustainable products that are for on the go and making your everyday self-care beauty regimen that much easier yeah wow i mean (laughs) there's a lot to digest there so basically so the brand (laughs) is called balayon 
Um, it was yes. created in the summer of 2020. Is that correct? Correct. So you're big on sustainability. Um, you want to keep your carbon footprint down with the packaging. Um, let's just start there. How are you outsourcing this? Like, is this a company already there uh, that are doing this for other companies as well? As far as the packaging? Yeah, as far as the packaging goes. Right. So, um, you know, again, I am learning as I go. Everything is just, I'm learning on the fly. I didn't take a business course. <laughs> I am a makeup artist. And I think with one side of my brain, and now I'm having to really, truly think with the other side as a businesswoman. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so it's taking a lot. Yeah. However, um, doing all the research that I've done, I realized, most people and most of these companies are going to China for their packaging. Mm. And so I too had to go to China for my packaging. And I actually found my packaging company on Alibaba. Um, Funny enough, because I had never used them before. I was so nervous because I was like, is this some like weird market, (laughs) like some black market situation? Like I just didn't know what it was. Like, I was like, I'm so nervous. Like, and I'm talking to people that, you know, like our, our barrier of communication is just, it's, it's skewed in so many different ways, but it ended up working out. And I was able to narrow down, um, the company that I worked with. They had some really great reviews, which was nice. They also were one of the companies that could really give me what I wanted because I, I didn't want it to look crunchy granola. I wanted something where sustainable can still be luxurious. It can still be chic. It can still be sexy. It doesn't have to be bamboo. I mean, I love bamboo. You know, nothing's wrong with bamboo, but I just wanted a particular aesthetic for Balian. And that is chic and fabulous, sexy, you know, all the things. It's a pretty nice way of uh, describing packaging as well as, as chic and, and, and sexy. So let, let alone the products inside, <laughs> we'll get onto that. But so, and where, where is this produced, Ray Dawn? Where, where's the packaging actually like made? Well, the packaging, as I said, is made in China, but the product itself, the Do Revive itself, because I'm trying my best to, as I said, lessen our carbon footprint, although we have to get our packaging by ship um, from China to the US. So that is a huge impact on our carbon footprint. So I said, okay, how can I, you know, continue to minimize this? So I found a great chemist and lab in Long Island where I live. Yeah. yeah, Right near where I live. And all I have to do is drive 25 minutes and um, they locally produce, do revive there for us, which is amazing. Um, And then I also use the actual mailers, the shippers, when a customer orders, what I package do revive inside of is really cool as well from a company called Tishwish. They um, offer compostable options and compostable mailers and shippers. So I get my mailers and shippers from them because they're compostable, which means if you don't compost, that's okay. Because if you just chuck it in the garbage, it will disintegrate in about you know, four to six months because it's made from corn, which is a fabulous thing. That is really awesome. I mean, what sounds to me like a lot of companies should go this way. I mean, if it disintegrates within six months, then that's a truly amazing bit of technology for for the world. Well, believe it or not, a lot of these startup brands, these what we, what they call indie brands, these indie beauty brands, they are, they're pushing up against the bigger brands, like the L'Oreal's of the world, like the, um, you know, Shiseido's of the world, all of these bigger brands, they're having to face the music and look in the mirror because these smaller brands are challenging them to do the work. They're the ones that have the bigger teams. They're the ones that have the huge budgets, but they've just never been pushed to do that because they've never been challenged. And a lot of the younger generation, these, these Gen Z's, they're like challenging, you know, companies and they're the ones that really are into you know, the storyline of a brand and where they're buying from and like the millennials and above, like a lot of, I'm a millennial and a lot of us, you know, we never really paid attention to that, but the Gen Z's, they're, they're heavily into 
you know, brand story. What, what's behind this? Um, how are you helping the world? What's your impact on the world? So, you know, it's, it's good change that needs to happen. Yeah, absolutely. So the current product that you've got or the launching product is called Jew Revive. So that's what, is that spelled D E W Jew Revive? Like a Jew, like the morning Jew. Yeah. So Jew Jew Revive. So it's, it's, you said it's like a stick. I mean, this is going to, Maybe this is a really ignorant question. It's, you know, I don't know too much about makeup and stuff, but is it? Um, would you describe it as a like a special moisturizer, or is that the wrong way to think about this product? No, not at all. So it's it's a face and body stick. Um, it's two ounces, mm-hmm. which makes it again travel friendly. You can throw it in your bag, and it's no mess. You know, it's not because some forms of shea butter come whipped, which is really fabulous as well. However, it makes a mess. Mm. It causes, you know. Um, your tube might open up or your packaging might open up in your bag. And so I wanted to have none of that. Um, so this is great because you can use it for women. You can use it under your makeup. So it would be applied before your makeup as your moisturizer, as your primer, as both. Then you can apply your makeup as usual. And honestly, a little bit goes such a long way. And you can also like, I love it, especially in the colder months to use it on the areas where you might have, you know, more areas that need some TLC, like the heels of your feet, your elbows, your knees, um, all those areas that need some extra tender loving care. Do Revive is amazing for that. And I'm telling you, your skin will be baby soft. And this is for, I think you did mention this, this is for men and women. So men can use this product, right? It is for men and women. However, I have packaged it for more of the woman buyer. Um, is so it, my is hope it in pink, is, is it? To, not to use a stereotype. It's, <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a mix of almost like a, it's a, I wanted it to be a seafoam green, but I guess uh. you would call it almost a mix of a seafoam green, the Tiffany blue kind of Feel. Yeah, I, so. I think I think most guys are, would be cool with that. I mean, as long, but I mean, it works on both male and female skin, you know, just as well. There's no reason why uh, not. Yeah, men and women's skin is no different. I mean, you know, maybe men's skin is a little tougher because maybe men don't take the time to um, self care as much or exfoliate, what, <laughs> or exfoliate, yeah. or mask, or right. any of the above. Um, <laughs> but that's why do revive is great because. You can take it anywhere and you'll always be moisturized. So, so it's, it's two ounces it's as well. That's It doesn't come in different sizes. It's always two ounces. It's not like there's a five ounce right. and a 10 ounce. Is that right? There's just a two ounce. As of right now, it's only a two ounce. Um, we just launched September 15th of this year of 2021. So, um, you know, right now we just have this one product, this one size. So I would like to eventually, you know, push the envelope and have different packaging for men. Not that the price point wouldn't be any different. It would just be, you know, this is the packaging for men. This is the packaging for women. Um, It's just, you know what it is, is when you do your market research as a business person, the market shows that men don't buy skincare the way women do, which is why there aren't as many skincare brands that are marketed toward the everyday man. Mm, that's just, interesting that's just what it is that's very interesting mm-hmm. so getting to this due revive sorry before that let me say one other thing so it was launched just to get the facts straight the concept was launched in summer of 2020 but you just said that in september the 15th that's when it was actually launched this year like officially you know this is now a real company right well that's when do revive so, right when do right, right when that went available okay. on the website for purchase Right. It takes that long. It took about, you know, and I don't know what your question was and I hate to interrupt, but just to go back, I started this process in June, but then I decided, okay, to segue into skincare. I started that process in July. Right. I found one chemist, the one chemist I worked with for six months, they ended up not working out. I was so heartbroken because for six months I went back and forth with them and I just started to realize I'm not a big brand, so they don't care about me. And this, the invoice is not big enough for them. So they're throwing me to the back burner Mm. and it was Christmas time. And I had, I had no choice. I had to wait because it was Christmas time. Then it was New Year's Eve and everything is closed at that time. So I couldn't even reach out and try to like, 
you know, recalibrate anything. So I had to wait until after the holidays were done. And that's when I went on a massive search to find another chemist. And I literally emailed 28 companies until I came to the one chemist who was like, yeah, I can, I can meet that MOQ, which is the minimum quantity order or MQ, uh, MOQ, minimum order quantity. Um, I'm still learning all the business lingo, so please forgive me. <laughs> brain, right? <laughs> um, right, exactly. There you go. <laughs> so it, it, there are just so many variables to this. It's like, you know, a lot of these companies, they want like 5,000 SKUs to start with, you know, and you're like a small brand starting up and yeah. you want to make sure that you have a viable product that the market wants, that people want to buy. Mm-hmm. So buying 5,000 pieces isn't necessarily the smartest thing to do. So I ended up finding this chemist who said, okay, we'll work with the number of pieces that you want to give us. Um, this is the price and the price, you know, I mean, just, and I, if you want, I can give the price to anyone who wants to, who is thinking about starting a brand, starting a company. Um, it costs me about $10,000 just to, just for the chemist to, you know, develop the product. I told them the ingredients that I wanted. I said, this is what I want. Mm. I want it to be waterless as well. That was another thing that I felt to mention. That's a super big part um, of this conversation is waterless because a water, if you notice, if you look at any of your skincare products, your hair products, Mm -hmm. water will typically always be the number one ingredient, but water, that means that the number one ingredient in that product is water which means that all the other ingredients are almost null and void because they're so watered down. So you're not getting the true essence of what is supposed to be in that bottle. Right. So like G Revive is almost like other products, but on steroids because you're removing this water component. Correct. And then the other reason, again, just a small footprint, like I'm a small brand. So however you know, doing the research on sustainability, I realized that by 20, I can't really remember the exact year, but our water shortage is about to be a problem. It's about to be a problem where we're going to have a true water shortage because of the way that we abuse the water that we use. Mm. Um, So I decided let me just be one less part of the problem and avoid having water be in my product. And as well, when you put water in a product, you also have to put then parapins and stabilizers because if it's going to sit on the shelf, if your product is not moving and it's sitting on the shelf for two, three months, you have to have preservatives in that product mm. so that that product doesn't grow mold, so that the product doesn't get all kinds of nasty gooky stuff in it that could possibly harm the customer. Right. And preservatives, I'm assuming, uh, would not necessarily be good for your skin anyway. Correct. Because a lot of these preservatives are the paraffins that we all pretty much are now, we all now know are not good for us. They're not, you know, they um, can cause a lot of problems and issues. So So. do you revive, you mentioned Sheer butter 2.0. So, like, what is sheer butter 2.0? Was there a 1.0 before, or was it like a 1.9? <laughs> or like, what? Like, is it is it like an iOS? No, there update? was just like, what's going on here? <laughs> there was just shea butter, regular shea butter. Shea butter is amazing because it actually shea butter comes from a tree in Africa, and this tree, the karatite tree, if I'm saying it correctly, is that there's from, the nut. From which country in uh, in Africa? Do you know? So it comes from Eastern and Western Africa. However, the best, the um, the best, so the the better shea comes from Ghana and a few other countries. Yeah. It is shea butter is produced in about 21 other countries in Africa, yeah. but the main country where it is produced um specifically is ghana it's Ghana. oh that's cool shout out to all the ghanaians listening to this show uh they'll, they'll like yes. they'll like to hear that so it's from <laughs> and is that is that sort of just accepted in, in the beauty community that um the best share butter is found from ghana period or is, is it up for debate so here's the thing you know and just the, here's the thing shea butter is pretty well known in 
in the African-American community, in the community of people of color, maybe in the Latin culture, you know, but shea butter is not as widely used or not even widely as widely known in other cultures. Mm. And it's never necessarily been viewed as a luxurious skincare ingredient. And with Do Revive, I'm trying to change that with, with this product is that I'm showcasing the, the gold that shea butter is. It is truly amazing because it has vitamin A, vitamin E. Mm. Um, it also fights a lot of the free radicals that float around in the air and that cause and create all the skin problems that we have on our, on our skin. So it also serves as a, it, I wouldn't say to just use it without an SPF, but it almost is acts as an SPF. It no. also helps with the cold wind and wind chafing. It helps with sunburns. It's just a real healer for the skin. And I want the masses to know the amazing benefits of using shea butter. And so there is no 1.0, there is no 1.9, but what I'm saying is we're taking it from the regular shea butter and we're making it and turning it into the 2.0, the better version <laughs> of itself. That's, <laughs> no, no, that's, that's, that's a nice uh, explanation there. But another point as well that I wanted to ask with you revive. So it's got the shea butter 2.0, as you put it. And then you mentioned a few other ingredients. What I want to know is, like, were you the chef? Like, were you the one that decided, I want these ingredients put together and put into this product, Dew Revive? Yes. I, I, I told the chemist what I wanted. And I said, these are the ingredients that I want. And he produced some samples. I said, okay, I don't like this. I had, originally, I had a lot of frankincense in there because frankincense is supposed to help with inflammation, but then the scent was just so overpowering. And I realized and recognized that not everyone appreciates that natural earthy scent. <laughs> so um, if it's going to be for the masses, I had to cut that down tremendously. So it was just a back and forth of going back um, with the chemist until we came to a solution, uh, into, to a um, concoction that I actually loved. And I tested it out with friends, with family. Um, I said, okay, you know, give me your hands. Even through COVID, I said, give me your hands. I dropped it off at friends' homes. Mm. I said, try this one out. Which one do you like more? Um, I took surveys. Um, I did monkey survey. I said, you know, do you use shea butter? Do you use rose tape oil? Do you use these specific oils? I asked people, and out of all of the oils, which one do they prefer the most? Or, you know, have they heard of shea butter? So it was really important to also do the market research and gather that data mm. because I'm, of course, I'm creating and solving a problem for myself, but it can't, I can't sell a product to myself. Like it has to be to the world, to the masses. No, absolutely. So, yeah. Really interesting stuff. And, I, I like your methodology behind it. And did you, with the products, maybe you said this or maybe, maybe I missed it, but did you, um, when you knew what ingredients you wanted, did you create a few sort of prototypes of the Dew Revive or did you just get your answers and think, yep, yeah, that's going to work. And then you made the product and it was a hit from, you know, from the first one that you made. No, no we, we made, they made me a few samples um, okay. and I didn't have my packaging yet. Okay. So like slightly different uh, we had ingredients. Or, or amounts oh of yeah, we had a few right. rounds. Yeah, yeah. I would say we had a few rounds of maybe maybe ten tries in total, and okay. each each time, you know, they the chemist told me, okay, like you're you're about to hit your mark where because they call it R and D research and development, so you have to pay an upfront fee for your research and development with the chemist. So that's the whole process of making these prototypes, these samples. So the first round, he gave me like three or four samples. I said, okay, this is too greasy. This is too that, that, that. Can you combine one and two? I don't really like three and four. Okay. And then we would go back and then it would take another two weeks and then he'd make it. And then I say, um, can you add this ingredient? Because I think I do want this ingredient in there. Or can you cut this ingredient down some more? But what I did say is that I definitely want shea butter to be the main ingredient in it. And I want to add these other ingredients in this order awesome and then obviously you after using those 10 you you found that one was clearly the winner and that became do you revive correct 
And it's funny because I preferred other versions of the samples. But when I asked other people what they preferred, that was what I ended up going with. Even with the packaging, I emailed people, you know, photos of this of the packaging. I wanted something super fun and crazy. And then there was another one that was like dark and like just uh it was just super sexy but dark and and surreal. I just I loved it. But everyone else liked the lighter packaging and the cleaner packaging with less going with the less is more concept. Mm -hmm. So again, I'm not creating this product for Radon. I'm creating it for you and everyone else. So I had to keep that in mind. Mm. No, that's really, really uh, awesome, awesome stuff. And of course, you said it's two ounces. It's travel friendly. So I guess it's the size. It's a great size for hand luggage. You said you could have one for your car, one at the office, one. Yeah. One for your luggage here, whatever. Just and you can fit it in a pocket, I guess, if you're if you're a guy or a a bit. It's a bit, um, it's cylinder. It's like a cylinder. Uh So, you know, it's round in size. So it would poke out of your pocket probably. It's not like chapstick size. You know what I mean? It's not thin. Yeah. Um, But yeah, um, you know, you can throw it in your man purse, um, you know, your gym bag, wherever, wherever you're traveling to. As long as the car is not super hot, you know, you don't want to leave it in like sweltering heat of like a yeah. hundred degrees or more, but yeah. liquid, you know, liquid it's just, gold it's always... melts, doesn't it? <laughs> Hello. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Exactly. No, that's amazing. so, I mean, where, where next for the brand and where next for you? Where next for the brand? I want to continue to, um, bring brand awareness to Balian, um, awareness to do revive because we just launched in September of this year. You know, I'm just continuing to navigate my way through what that looks like and growing our Instagram account, growing our subscribers, because I don't know if anyone was aware of yesterday, but Instagram just poof was gone. Uh (laughs) Facebook poof was gone. And, you know, my branding and marketing manager, she's fabulous because she has always said Instagram is not your brand. And she, her voice was in my head yesterday when this exact thing happened where Instagram just like vanished out of nowhere. Well, you have to have some sort of like email list. You have to have something other than just social media outside of your brand so that if that were to be gone tomorrow, you still have your 25,000 followers or however many followers you had on Instagram that they're subscribed to your email list. So you know, just growing in, in those ways, um, working on, you know, the pipeline of what will be next, um, besides do revive I'm working on that, but it's just, it's slow and steady because I want, I'm hoping that do revive will be a cult favorite, you know, um, that people will realize that this is just an amazing skincare product, natural. You can use it on yourself, on your children, take it on the go. And it's just no hassle, less mess. Um, but yeah, that's just where I'm at. Like, and continuing to grow as a makeup artist, you know, um, and looking for the next opportunities. I'm loving working with Gail. I've only been with her for uh, like eight, eight, nine months. So, you know, see what the next year brings and just continuing to grow the brand and see what other products I have. I send out newsletters. So if, any of your listeners would love to subscribe. I also ask for feedback on any products that they might have an idea on. If they think that they have a great product idea and they want to share it with us, they're more than welcome to. I love to like, that's what it's about is listening to the customer and what they want to see or what they need. So that's important. Well, Ray Dawn, pleasure as always. And thanks uh, for all the information. And I really do wish you and your brand all the very best. And who knows, maybe you can come back on uh, at some point in the future to, to give us an update on uh, on how it progresses and maybe, you know, when you launch further new products as well. Thank you, Nate. This was fun. I really had a great time. Awesome. Well, my guest today was Ray Dawn from New York, USA. Travel-friendly, sustainable products for you and your adventures. Please do check out the show notes where I'll leave all of Ray Dawn's details of her website, Balayon and uh, any of our other social media details for you who might be interested in her products. Sustainability is so important in today's world on so many fronts and this is yet another area 
uh, that can c- contribute to a healthier earth for us and our children, but also great healthier products for you and me. Well, if you've enjoyed today's episode, please do share it with a family member or friend who you think would get something out of it. And if you haven't already, please do consider leaving a review on Apple Podcasts or give us a follow on Spotify as well, as it will help the show reach more people. My name is Nate Ralph, and you've been listening to another episode of The Inquisitive Tourist. <laughs>